Sounds okay. Yeah. Sounds hey guys, good. welcome back. Oh. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for that, Heather. Uh, episode 58, Japan Archives. Oh, I'm dropping things. I'm making noise in the background. I'm going to stop touching things. Anyway. If you want. Today we're going to do... Well, this is mostly around yokai. Because we love yokai. But more about the yokai behind certain Pokemon. I'm hoping most people know what Pokemon is. It's been around for a long time now, but, you know, if you don't know, Pokemon is a worldwide phenomenon first thought up back in 1989, actually. I didn't realize it was that old by the Pokemon executive director, Satoshi Tajiri, around the time when the Game Boy was released. The idea behind Pokemon came from a popular hobby of the man at the time, which was actually insect collecting. This developed and ultimately became the game of Pokemon that we know today. A game where you are, in essence, tasked with going and trying to collect all the different Pokemon in the area that you live. And I didn't know about the insect collecting thing. It was actually no. Alfredo that told me that. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. Oh my gosh. So Pokemon is based on as entomology, basically. In essence, yeah. That is amazing. And I just, I, I love it even more now because mm -hmm. not, not that I collect bugs or I have collected bugs, but the fact that it's based on something, oh my gosh, that's, that is super cool. I mean, you haven't collected bugs, but you've certainly collected Pokemon in your time. <laughs> I I have, I have dabbled a bit in, in the catching mm -hmm. them all. I, ha I don't catch them all. I'm very behind. <laughs> But anyway, I wanted to look, like I said, into some of the inspiration into some of the Pokemon today. And not into the history of Pokemon or the man behind it. I feel that eventually one day we will cover him and maybe the history of Pokemon. But you know, honestly, the more episodes we do at this point and the more topics we cover, the more we want to talk about. So trying to find time for everything at this point is very difficult. <laughs> one episode a week at this point is not enough. But we'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> We're still working on that figuring it out. <laughs> so Heather, I want to do something a little bit different today. I know before we recorded, I said, have a read of the show notes before we start, like we usually do. But there are none for you today. You've just got nope. some pictures. I do. In essence, I, I want you to describe them to the listener. So... Maybe if they know of Pokemon, they can try and figure out what they are. If they don't know of Pokemon, they can at least get an image in their mind. And then after that, I wanted to, you know, say who the Pokemon are and then the inspir well, the potential inspiration that led to them. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for this. <laughs> now, of course, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of Pokemon that have inspiration. And I could not include them all in one episode. So I've picked a certain amount for today. And there are some where I could have gone very in-depth about the creatures behind them. So I kind of, some of them I've chopped down to the bare bones and the immediate links for them. Because those yokai have so much lore about them, we can give an entire episode over to them. So... Some, you get a lot of information. Some, you're going to get the bare bones, which will give us the introduction for a later episode. Describe then for us the first row. So you've got three animals, well, not animals, three Pokemon in the first row. What would you describe these ones as looking like? So all three of them? 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe you even know their names. I perhaps do, but I'm 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 going to. Mm, I do so, know some of these names, or well, the English names. I don't know the Japanese names. I I know if a couple, but not as many as I should. I really need to play, need to play Pokemon in Japanese. Or excuse me, Pokemon, not Pokemon. I apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be mm, coming at this from like I don't know who these are, so that you can try to guess and play along who I am describing. I've, I've literally just realized we're doing that thing from a Pokemon episode. You know, the interval where it's like, who's that Pokemon? That's literally oh what God. we're doing. I've only, I've only just realized. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh my God. I didn't, I didn't get that either. I don't know why that just occurred to me, but there we go. There's that. So we have uh, three. It looks like they are animals. It looks like they might be foxes. But there's there's three different color ones. There's like an orange brown one. There's like a, a creamish white, and then there's a looks like kind of a, maybe charcoal black and is that red? And the interesting thing though is like from what I can see, they got a lot of tails. Do you know the no, so now you've described them? Do you remember the names of any of these ones? Oh man, <laughs> let me check my Pokédex. <laughs> <laughs> no, please tell me because I. As soon as you tell me, I'm gonna. Go, oh yeah, that's right. Not not, not nine, nine tails, is it? One of them is the second one is. So the first one is Vulpix. The second one is oh. Nine Tails, and the third one is Zoroa. Now, if I'm pronouncing these incorrectly, I apologize. This is how I call them. I know I've said some Pokemon names recently around Alfredo, and it has caused his eyes to twitch at me. <laughs> we definitely pronounce some of them differently. Like you said, they've they've got a lot of tails. So what do you think they're based off? Well, if I had to guess, is the the, the Kitsune with the exactly. Nine Tails. Yes. So the Kitsune are very well known in Japan. When we look at Vulpix, you can see that it only has its six tails. But when it evolves into nine tails, it has nine tails as the <laughs> name. <laughs> this does link to the Kitsune in a way, as these are foxes that can grow up to a total of nine tails in their lifetime. And the amount of tails that they have act to show how old they are, wise they are but also how powerful they are as over time their supernatural powers do grow stronger and stronger. Kitsune additionally much like other yokai such as the tanuki which I think you know of Heather from when we lived in Chiba they're also known as really good shapeshifters and almost always when they do it take the guise of a woman. However, when they do this, they often find it difficult to hide their true selves as they cannot hide or transform their tail. So if there is a kitsune around you that has transformed into a woman, if she is not too careful, she might accidentally show her tail, thus revealing herself and she would have to run away. And you can see this at times evident in the anime with the third Pokemon, the Pokemon of Zoroa, who can transform. And when the Pokemon does transform into certain characters in the anime, you can still see the Pokemon's tail sticking out the back of them. Oh. Like I said, some of them have a lot to talk about, so I was only going to give the bare bones, and I feel bad for doing it with the very first topic, but Kitsune has so much to talk about, and I want to give it an episode in itself. So they are the immediate links for the inspiration abound behind these Pokemon. 
Kitsune. There are also Kitsune witches associated them. There are fox weddings, and there's many, many tales surrounding them. So they deserve an entire episode handed over to themselves. So the next one, the next three, what would you say they look like? Well, we have got, it looks like perhaps elements, maybe wind, water, and fire. And they have, looks like little clouds, maybe surrounding them or underneath them. That's kind of what I would say. That's probably a very good summary of them. Uh, this one is called Cast Form. Mm. And this is... So this Pokemon doesn't evolve, but it does change its appearance depending on the type of weather. So as you can see, you've got the sun form, the rain form, and the snow form. Now, it's thought that these are based off the Teru Teru Bozu, which are a kind of handmade oh doll constructed from white paper or cloth. Uh, I'm assuming you know what these are, Heather. Oh, I, I actually, I'm looking, I'm looking up. And I still have my Tedobozu that I made last rainy season that I forgot. Uh, I actually I made it from uh, cloth and I stuffed it with more cloth. So I can see my little Tedobozu right above my head. Well, then you can tell me what they are. Oh, so like during rainy season in Japan, it's... And basically, it was around June somewhat and June, July area. And it just rains and it rains and it rains. Sometimes it rains for days on end. And sometimes it just rains for a day and just is cloudy the whole time. So these little charms and actually I'm we are going to come to this poem. There is a, a little song with it. So that's a future episode as well. I still haven't done that yet. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't done that yet. There's a little song to help you basically say rain, rain, go away. That's the very condensed essence because i want to come back to the song <laughs> you are right so they are a kind of good look charm or a magical amulet to kind of stop rain or prevent it at least for a time i was reading that a lot of children will make them during they'll try and make them the night before if they want to go out the next day to the park or go out for a picnic so they want to make sure they have nice weather i also found out the the name Teru is the verb for describing sunshine and bozu meaning monk. So these kind of translate as shine shine monk, which is kind of cute in its own way. And these items became popular during the Edo period when children at the time started wanting good weather. And like you just said, they had a song associated with them. But I'll leave that song for you to sing for another day like you want to. There are times, though, where obviously they wouldn't always work. And I found out that if the Teru Teru Bozu should fail, they would then have a sake libation poured over them and then they would be thrown in the river and washed away because they failed to do their job. I also found one note that also said at times they could actually be hung upside down and that was a way of actually asking and praying for rain to happen. Oh. So in these cases, it would be associated with farmers and they would hang them upside down outside of their home to get rain for their crops. Ah, excellent. Speaking of which, I've only gotten the sun cast form. Only this is the only one I've ever gotten because apparently I would go I, well, I, when I played Pokemon Go, which I will resume once I get a better phone. I only got the sunshine. I didn't see any of the other ones. And now I really want the other ones. <laughs> well, you have to wait for the correct weather conditions, then, don't you? Good luck for the snow. Mm, true. So we're going to move on to the third one now and the inspiration behind it. So how are you going to describe these two? You must know who this one is one of the originals i have a hint i have a hint a small clue it but i'm gonna be vague it looks like we got some cats walking on two legs with uh hmm, 
pink. Does that look like almost like a horn on top of the head? It's a very interesting little thing there. It's interesting that you call it a horn. Hmm. Well, you said they're a cat. So this one is called Meowth. Uh, one of the original 150 Pokemon. And for this cat, I suggest you head back on over to episode 40 on the folklore of cats, as this one relates to the Maneki Neko. That's why the paw is up. Uh-huh. So Meowth is often portrayed with his little hand raised, with also, I wouldn't say it's a horn, I would say it's a coin in the middle of its head. The arm is raised because it's waving for good luck, like the Maneki Neko, which is the good luck cat. These cat dolls, which you can buy, like we've briefly said before, I'll quickly go over it again, they can bring you various look, depending on the different colors you could buy. Red is for relationship, success, and illness prevention. Black was to keep evil at bay. Gold for money. Green for health. Blue for academic success. And they even have pink colors now to help with love. But in addition to the Maneki Neko, which I think now that I mentioned it, you can obviously kind of see it because of the raised hand and things. It also has links to another yokai known as the Bakeneko, which is sometimes translated as the monster cat or vampire cat. This is not one we covered in the Folklore of Cat episode. No, but you you mentioned that at one point. We have to come back to I that. I did mention we have to come back to him in the Folklore of Cats episode two. So again, I'm going to give the bare bones for this one. They say that if a cat should live long enough, they can transform into this creature. They can turn into a mischievous creature known as the Bakeneko and can even gain the ability to control the dead bodies of people. I think it's safe to say that Meowth never did this in the anime because that would be horrifically creepy for children. Yes. The other power of the Bakeneko is that it was capable of human speech. Much like Meowth was one of the few Pokemon that could actually talk in the show. Uh, there's even a famous tale about a vampire cat story being called Nabeshima no Bakemono Sodo. At times this story being translated as the vampire cat of Nabeshima. I, I did want to read this tale for today, but it is like a 15-page story, so... I just wanted to mention it, and I do want to... It's not long enough for a main episode, but I do want to do the vampire cat story as a bonus episode, and I would kind of like to do it pretty soon, so it stays fresh mm. in our mind to relate to this episode. Let's shoot for next week. Yay! A bonus for next week about the vampire cat. Okay, let's do that. So tomorrow, guys... Not tomorrow. Next week, guys, you're going to get a bonus episode, at least, in addition to the normal sketch thing. So onwards... We shall go. Well, mm, no, actually, one last thing. They were, they were two Pokemon, like you said. The other one is Meowth, but it's super big, super long and extended. Though not a yokai in the slightest, this one, I think... Do you remember there was once an internet sensation and the cat known as Long Cat? Do you remember Long Cat? I'm, all I can think of is Nyan Cat. No, it, it was a... It was a white cat where their owner picked it up and it was it had its arms out like this in the photo, oh, but it was yeah. super long. Yeah. I think that this version of Meowth is based off Long Cat as a little homage to it, perhaps. So not a yokai, but I thought it was an interesting and nice connection to mention. But then I got sad when I did the research because I found out Long Cat died last year in September at the age of 18 of oh. old age. It's a very old age for a cat. Uh, so, moving on then. What have we got next? 
Well, these, these are, these are, I have actually gotten this one before. A few of these really interesting. Cause I, I would say they're almost like a tiger, but they also make me think of a dog somehow. Okay. That's an interesting description of them. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd take that. So these ones are, again, these come from the original 150 Pokemon, and these ones were known as Growlithe and Arcanine. And these are thought to be based off the Koma Inu. Well, dog, but is it Koma? Koma Inu. Hmm, I'm not familiar with that. So they are thought to have been based off the Koma Inu, which are the strange little lion statues that you can find at the entrance to temples in Japan. Pan. Now, entries for these two Pokemon state that they are loyal, brave, trustworthy, and are very protective of their territory, much like the purpose of the Koma Inu in protecting the inner shrine of many Shinto shrines. Now, we can find the origins of these little statues back all the way back in the Nara period, and they do predate this in other parts of Asia, but in Japan, the earliest we can find them is the Nara period. Like in other places in Asia, they always came in pairs. And when you see them at temples, you will always see one with its mouth open and one with its mouth closed. Back in the Nara period, they both had their own separate names. The one with its mouth open was called Shishi or Lion. And the other one with its closed mouth was just known as the Koma Inu. And at times actually had a single horn atop its head. Over time, the names changed and they both became known as the Koma Inu and eventually shared the same appearance, save for the difference in the open and closed mouth, which has remained until this day. I also found out that originally they were only used indoors. And oh. back then they were known as the Genai Koma Inu or Shrine Inside Koma Inu. But later they became to be used outside and the term for them became changed to the Sando Koma Inu, or Visiting Road Koma Inu. So that is the basis for those Pokemon. That is, wow. So that's kind of why I probably was kind of confused about what they look like, because even those those statue at the beginning, so they're based on lions, but they're also called dogs. And mm. so even I think some people are, what exactly are they? Well, I got the tiger because it's got, it looks orange with black stripes. And I was like, why do they choose black stripes for this character design? Because I think I think tiger when I see stripes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting they went with tiger stripes for that Pokemon when historically is just a dog and a lion. But then mm. you can see in other regards in that, you know, the evolution one, Arcanine does kind of have like a mane thing going on, mm. much like a lion does. True. Maybe they just added the stripes just to make the design look cooler. I don't know. <laughs> it does look, it does look, it it's does really look cool. cute. But the next one. So we have an another set of three Pokemon. This time it looks like we got some wolves. Mm -hmm, we do. It's some a brown wolf. Uh, I'm not sure if that's shadow or if it's like partially black and red with red glowing eyes. And then a another one that's got like Kitsune Brown, like that fox brown on it. I love that. I love that explanation of color, the Kitsune Brown. It's a very specific color. I love that. So this, a, a bit like cast form, this is one Pokemon that varies its appearance depending on the type of day. This Pokemon is known as Lycanroc. So it has a day uh -huh. form, a midnight form, and a dusk form. The day form, so the first one you described, is its calm and nice form. The midnight one is the angry and vicious form, the one with the red eyes. And its dusk form... My notes here auto-corrected to duck, which is incorrect. So it's dusk form. 
acts as a midway between the two. So it's it's not anger, it's not completely angry, but it's not perfectly nice either. Now I know the name Lycanroc will make you think, oh, it may be based off a werewolf. The Pokemon does change during different times of the day, but it's likely based off a Japanese yokai known as a Okuri-in. But in addition to that, it's also said that it has semblance to an extinct species of Japanese wolf. Ah. So about the Okuri-inu, this yokai, interestingly, just like the Pokemon, can have moments where it's super nice, but also have moments where it's super vicious. Um, For instance, it said that they will follow you in the mountains at night should you be walking through them. But if you should stumble and fall over, they will pounce on you and devour you. If you were tired, however, and you did need to rest, you could, but you had to make sure that you didn't look too tired, or again, they would realize you were weak and would pounce and attack you. Huh. Similarly, like we said, they have a nicer side. Um, we can find a story of their karma side from the book entitled The Chi Sagata Gun Mindan Shu, or Collection of Stories from the Chi Sata District. Um, the story here tells of a woman from Shioda who was about to give birth. So she decided to walk alone through the mountains to her parents' house so she could give birth, leaves the husband at home for some reason. But she falls into labor in the mountains on her way there. And the Okuri Inu decide to venture forth and begin to gather around her. The scared woman who's in the middle of labor basically turns to the yokai and shouts at them saying that if you're going to eat me, then eat me right now. But instead of pouncing and attacking her, they show their nice side, and they actually stay and protect her from all the other wolves in the area so that she can give birth safely. After this, they help her reunite with her husband, and then the husband, as a thank you, feeds them red rice, which apparently is reserved for auspicious mm. occasions. Um, the book also further goes into a little bit more detail, stating that mountain dogs, so Yama Inu, can take two forms. One can be the Okuri Inu that we talked of, or the other can be the Mukai Inu. The Okuri Inu are known for their protection side, with the Mukai Inu known for their attacking side, which again links back to the characterization of this Pokemon having like two different alternate egos. So I kind of like that one. I didn't mm. know about this yokai until I did this research, so I really like this Pokemon's backstory. So the next one, strange little looking thing. This was such a weird one back in the day. You could catch this one on gold, silver, and crystal. And it was a very difficult Pokemon to get. I'm, I'm You're going to enjoy my description. Okay. It looks like a fish bee with wings. What? <laughs> I told you. It looks like a fish bee. Like a, a bee and a fish. bee with wings. Okay, so I think even people who play Pokemon will be like, what are you talking about? So it's this, your, that's um, your challenge. If you can figure that out from my description, I am so impressed with you. Okay, so if you haven't figured it out by now, this is the Pokemon known as Dunsparce. And it's a based off a Pokemon. It's not based off a Pokemon. Based off a yokai known as the Tsuchinoko, apparently. This yokai is a short, thick, snake-like creature. It's said that it was poisonous and at times could actually live even when its head had been chopped off. Oh, lovely. This isn't just a yokai, it's also been classed as a cryptid. 
uh, which is an animal whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated, much like the Yeti is. And we have reports of this creature being seen from the Edo period onwards. One story about the Suchinoko relates to the city of Kanazawa from 1807. It said that in the area there was a slope where strange things often occurred. And a man walking by the area saw something on the slope which looked like a kind of a pestle, but it was as thick as a mortar. The creature was completely black. He heard it let out a laugh, made a sound of thunder, and then promptly disappeared. And it said that the man was quite ill for a few days after from witnessing such an event. And after that, there's actually been small Tsuchinoko booms now and then as its popularity has increased and waned. And most recently, it was actually in the first few years of the 21st century. A farmer in Okayama Prefecture is said to have found the remains of one of these creatures. Though it was later examined and determined to have been a tiger keelback snake, the town quickly took on the identity as the place where we found a Suchinoko. And you can even visit there to this day and buy Suchinoko wine. I do wonder what it tastes like. I do wonder how it's made. When I can travel again, I will, because I'm, you know, being in Hiroshima Prefecture, Okoyama's right next door. It's right there. You can go find the wine. When I can drink wine again, absolutely I will. That creature is a very strange one. I'd never heard of this one, this strange little stunted snake thing. Yeah, now I can kind of, well, this, it's got snake it's maybe it's the angle of the picture so like i could guess i could see snake but because it's got like a distinct head and a distinct like like thorax is it that thorax like head and thorax well i know you call the thing like a bee-like thing but you could also kind of see it as like a rattlesnake ah oh, yeah yeah which relates more to the snake, perhaps don't worry i'm going to include a picture of all these pokemon in the <laughs> show notes to go with the notes so if you wanna, if you wanna know what this, I don't even remember what you said. Bee, fish bee, fish bee looks like. Then you know, head on over to the website. The next, the next time you go and you play, and you're gonna say, "Oh, look, there's the fish bee." <laughs> Watch it. That's what happened. That has ruined Pokemon for everyone forever. <laughs> if you've been ruined from fish bee, then I think you might have not been a big Pokemon fan. <laughs> so the next one, then we have a bird. But what about this bird? Oh, you know, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm really feeling vibes of this bird perhaps bringing a sword to an emperor to fight off a battle. I don't know. I get, I get phoenix vibes from this verb. 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 <laughs> this verb. Oh, interesting. You're, you're associating it with the Yatagarasu. Oh, I didn't actually see that. So this Pokemon is known as Hall and is based off the animal known as Hole. So didn't even change the name for this Pokemon. Now, like you said, Phoenix vibes. This is something that we would potentially call a Phoenix in Western culture, though it does differ somewhat. So it is. It's not the Yatagarasu, but you're you're along the right lines there. It is a sacred bird, and this one does find its origins in China. And in China, it said that these creatures come from the sun and that their bodies contain five fundamental colors, which you can also see in this Pokemon. You have black, white, red, yellow, and green. Also, you should be doing for your bento. When you make bento, you should have all these colors. 
yeah, you, you're supposed to have like the you know, five different colors. So like, you know, orange, white, black. Well, maybe yeah, you also have black because naughty sometimes, but like the different colors for, for nutritional balance. That's super cool. You have to teach me more about it. Okay, that's a bento episode in the future. Oh my then. gosh, how did we not think of a bento episode till now? Because like, we have too many already. So you have these five colors. They are said to represent the Confucian five virtues, which you have benevolence, honesty, and uprightness, knowledge, faithfulness, and integrity, and correct behavior, propriety, and, propriety and good manners. Hmm. So five virtues, but they seem to be split into several different things. These birds are said to to only appear in areas blessed with perfect peace, prosperity, and happiness. And we actually can find their origins as far back as 8,000 years ago in China. So the next two are rather different to everything else we've had so far. Mm -hmm. And they don't even look related. So we have one that looks like it's a little candle and another one that looks like it's a key ring with keys on it. Yes. So these are completely unrelated. They don't evolve into each other or not. Um, but these ones are known as Litwick and Klefki. Though they're both completely different, they do both link back to a, the same kind of yokai. And these creatures were known as haunted houseware or sukumogami. Oh. In essence, household items or man-made things turned into yokai. We have tales from the Muromachi period stating that when an object reaches a hundred years of age, it transforms, obtaining a spirit and deceiving people's hearts. And similarly, we have another tale from the 16th century, particularly on picture scrolls that goes as follows. There are tools and other objects that after a hundred years change into spirits and deceive people. They are called Sukumogami. At the end of the year, families discard old furniture, utensils and such, piling them up at the side of the road. Then at New Year's, these household items transform in shape. Angry at the extravagant wealth of the families, these Sukumogami should be treated with caution. Now, this is another one like the Kitsune where I could talk forever about them. So that's all I will say on the matter for now. I do want to give another episode specifically about this type of yokai. Um, but there are many types of Pokemon that could fall into this category. But then moving on to the next one. I like the next one. It's again one of the original 150 Pokemon. It's one that I know quite well. So I, I have a couple of feelings about this one. And I, I do have... Okay. I do of these depending on the day i could either see an aardvark type creature or an elephant with a very short nose but two different colors it looks like um it's bottom the bright the top part is yellow and the bottom part is i'm not sure if that's like a dark brown or supposed to be like a charcoal you know you're not a million miles away from what i'm gonna talk about actually so this pokemon is known as drowsy and it is based off of a creature known as the Baku. And this creature is said to eat your nightmares. We hear of it from as early as 834 AD in poetry from China, where we have it described as something with the nose of an elephant, eyes of a rhino, tail of an ox, and legs of a tiger. Now that there are a lot of differences there between the Baku 
and are drowsy in appearance, but they do both eat dreams, and like you said, he does kind of have a trunk, which again <laughs> links it back to the Baku. The Baku is interesting in that if you also suffered from migraines, sleeping with the image of one next to you is said to have helped you off into slumber and could stop your headaches. And a strange additional note for this creature that I came across, I'm not sure who found this out about the Baku, but apparently its urine can melt iron and turn it into water. Huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Interesting. Additionally, this Pokemon could also be based off a tapir um, due to its nose. It's not quite as long as the trunk of an elephant, but it is hmm. more like a tapir, which interestingly are also called Baku in Japanese, but whether the name for the animal or the yokai came first, I'm not too sure. So, the next three. I know this one. This one is almost, I, I want to say either like what I feel versus what I'm going to say. I almost feel like a kappa with a toad lily. To oh my god. <laughs> I was also thinking frog. That's where I'm like, I've got frog. Yeah, the um, Lily pad. You've stumbled across the right answer here. You These ones are called Lotad, Lombre, and Ludicolo, and they all evolve into each other. And we did, yeah, they are related. They are based off of the Kappa, which we talked about on episode 43 a while ago now. These Pokemon, they're described as being mischievous, just like the Kappa are, but though the Kappa, like we talked about, would try to steal your Shirikodama or life force when you were in the water near them, these Pokemon, they won't steal your life force, but they do similar things in that they will tug on fishing lines from below the water, so they both try to steal things from in the water. That at least goes for the, po the second one, known as Lombre. I feel that when you look at these three, a lot of people say all of them are based off Kappa, but I feel that the second evolution is the one that resembles the Kappa the most. The first one does look more just like a lily pad, and the final evolution, at least in Alfredo's opinion, looks more like someone wearing a sombrero than actually <laughs> what a Kappa would look like. But yes, they are supposedly based off the capper so if you want to refresh your mind about the capper head on over to episode 43 so moving on to the next one this again is one of the original pokemons and this one i i do know this i think i have this one it is a pink it I, it makes me think of either a like a, a small dinosaur with a very long tongue or even a, like i could say like a salamander or like a lizard type thing but also we could put dinosaur because why not dinosaurs are great <laughs> so this one was called lickitung and as the name suggests the pokemon does sport a massive tongue like you also described entries about this pokemon state that it likes to lick dirt off things to make them clean this relates to a yokai known as the Akename, or filth licker in English. Whereas Lickitung has its very bright pink, almost red skin, the Akaname also had red skin, as the Aka in Japanese can mean both red and filth. And again, this creature is very similar in that it is said that it liked to lick dirt and scum. But specifically, the Akename like to lick the dirt and scum out of your bathtub. Great to have one of these at home. It would, but I'd, I think it would be kind of creepy having one living in the bathroom. 
this, this one's kind of cute. I mean, I could I could balance it. If, if someone's going to clean my tub for me, you know, I could I could deal with it. Okay, no, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. But that's all I have to say about the economy. There's not much lore behind it, except that it is a strange little creature that likes to eat your dirty bathtub. So wh who thought of this and why? I have no idea, but it's just a strange little mm -hmm. creature. The next one. How would you describe this one? Oh my God, this one. Speaking of strange, gosh, I am not even sure how to describe this one. It is... The first thing I think of is the piranha plant from Mario. So it's got like a, a little, you know, a, okay. mm. a mouth with teeth attached to, but it's attached to a, a, a body. So we have a, almost like it's wearing like some kind of like either straw or grass outfit. And the, the angle of this picture, I say the eyes are the kind of the front of the head and the mouth is kind of at the back. I, that's really hard to describe that one. Okay, I, I, I like the description. So this one is Pokemon known as, now I pronounce it Mo-Isle, but I know some people call it Mawil. So whatever your preference, none of my business. Potato, potato. Potato, potato. I'm going to call it Mo-Isle. That's what I've always called it. And this one is inspired by a creature known as a Futakuchi-Ona, or woman with two mouths. The second mouth is said to be hidden on the back of their head underneath their long flowing hair. And this second mouth is often said to mumble to itself. And the original mouth of the host has to at times constantly feed to try and satisfy the second one. It's like little shop of horrors. <laughs> kind of. Different stories about how this can happen. It's said that they, these are normal women transformed through bad karma after giving attention purely to their own children and ignoring their stepchildren. Should oh. their stepchildren then die from neglect, 49 days later, which is the traditional mourning period in Japan, the spirit of the dead stepchild will return to inhabit the body of the mother, giving her the extra mouth and also giving her an unstoppable hunger. One specific story states that a stepmother, after 49 days of her stepchild dying, was hit in the head with the back of her husband's axe. Though the wound wasn't deep, it didn't heal and eventually grew teeth and lips and began to chant constantly, you must apologize. Another story states that this transformation can occur if someone doesn't live truthfully, always swallowing and repressing their words and opinions until one day the other mouth forms as it is unable to lie. So cut to very, very different mm -hmm origins for this creature i prefer the second one as it's less traumatic but i still think both ideas are kind of intriguing for this creature and i'm guessing it's only women who get these two mouths not men yes huh yes hmm. interesting mm -hmm. mm. yeah so i like the next one the next one's kind of cute and dainty is it almost looks like it's Oh, this is gonna be a fun description. Like almost like it's wearing a kimono, because the mm -hmm. the arms itself looks like like the sleeves, like the long sleeves, and it looks like it's wearing a, a perhaps a mask. I, I don't know why I'm getting cubone vibes, because it looks like a cubone. Cubone has like the, the little the, the skull on its head, but it's like that purple with like the white mask. This one is almost like crystals on the top of the head for the ears. So this Pokemon is known as Frostless, and 
like you said, it it does kind of look like it's wearing a kimono of sorts, and it can find its inspiration from the yokai known as the Yuki Ona, or Snow ah. Woman. This yokai is the personification of cold. It dwells in the mountains, where it is said, should you come across them, she would freeze you to death. Oh, nice. Entries for this Pokemon also agree with this, as it says that this Pokemon freezes foes with an icy breath of minus 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So very, very cold breath. I did come across one tale of the Yuki Ona, which I want to tell. It states that there were once two men caught in a terrible snowstorm who took shelter for the night. The younger of them, known as Minokichi, awoke to see a fair maiden taking the life of his older friend by by blowing cold white smoke onto his face. Noticing Minokichi watching her, she said that if he should ever tell anyone of what he saw, she would kill him, and then she immediately disappeared. Next year, he met a woman who he fell in love with, coincidentally called Oyuki. Like I said, they fell in love, they married, and ultimately they had ten children together. And one night, thinking of the past, living in his nostalgia, he sits back and tells his wife of his encounter with the Yuki Ona. And it is at this moment that his wife reveals herself to be the original Yuki Ona from that night. But she doesn't kill him because of all their children. She does say, if it were not for our children, I would have killed you here and now. And so she decides instead to disappear in a cloud of white mist escaping through the smoke hole in the roof of their home. I kind of like that story. It's kind of short and sweet. It's also kind of... mm, Ten children is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. As you were telling that story, I've I've heard this story before, and I don't know why. I was like, have we talked about this story before? Or is it just that I'm getting to the point now when I I run into a story that I can almost hear you reading it in my head? It's like it's deja vu sense of like, we've talked about this before. <laughs> but have we? I don't know. We talked about the Yuki Ona. So what does the next one look like? Well, the first thing I notice is it looks like it's got a W on the head. So I think of Wario. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a, a little fish, perhaps a little, little catfish with some uh, cute little curly antenna. On the side of it. not antenna whiskers. Sorry, not antenna. So this one is known as Wishcash. Wishcash, Wish, Wishcash, Wishcash. Sure. And this one again, it's based off a yokai that I didn't know about until today. This one known as the Onamazu. Uh, entries for this Pokemon state that. If a foe approaches it, it thrashes about and triggers massive earthquakes. And this does link directly to the Onamazu, which also were giant catfish capable of causing earthquakes. It's said that they live underground, likely in caves or inside the mud itself to cause these earthquakes. And our first association between the creature and earthquakes occurs back in the area of Lake Biwa. And we haven't talked oh, mentioned Biwa in a while. One myth around the creature says that the god known as Takemi Kazuchi, which was one of the sons of the fire god, Kagutsuchi, who we've both mentioned before. It said that this god restrained a catfish once underneath a stone to stop it causing earthquakes. But at times when the god should let his guard down, the catfish will thrash about and an earthquake will occur once more. I've seen this before. I don't know where. Has it been 
in a show or an anime I've watched, but I've seen where this big catfish comes and causes an earthquake. And oh, I don't remember where I've seen it, but I have seen this in action. Well, not in real life, obviously. <laughs> so that's where that came from. Oh, okay. So that was Wishcast. Wish, wish. I cannot say this Pokemon's name. We're moving on. What does the next one look like? Ah, this one. Well, we have a floating black ball with big eyes and sharp teeth surrounded by purple mist. So again, this is one of the original Pokemon. This one is known as Ghastly. And this is thought inspired by a yokai known as Sogenbi or Sogen's Fire. We can find the story of Sogen from a collection of stories known as the Shin Otogi Boko from 1683. And it tells of a man known as Sogen who was a monk who used to steal money offerings and lamp oil that was left at his own temple. And because of this, after dying, he was punished for eternity. His soul returned later as a mysterious blue fireball near the temple, much like Ghastly's floating head wreathed in flame. And it's said that his head would forever wander around for eternity due to his stealing in life. So we have three different inspirations left to go. So tell me about this strange little red thing that you're looking at. Oh, there's two strange little red things and then a blue thing. Uh -huh. This is, this. oh man, this description. Okay, I don't know why I'm sort of feeling from the first one, like a playful monkey dodoma. And then the next one is like a gorilla dodoma. And the last one is like a blue dodoma. Well, you'll be interested to know that the first one is called Darumaka. Oh my goodness, so it is Daruma. And they are inspired by the Daruma dolls that you can find around Japan. Okay, so... Oh, you have one. That's super cute. I have I have two. Although yours have their eyes painted. Well, I, I'll tell you why. I have one painted on both of these, but not both. But after you tell me. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't quite make that out. I was going, I'm actually going to mention that in my notes. But you can do it as you have your Daruma figurines there. So these ones aren't really yokai. But I wanted to include them nonetheless because they are interesting. The dolls themselves are based off Bodhidharma, who was the founder of Zen Buddhism. The figurines have no arms and legs, and it is said that Bodhidharma meditated facing a wall for nine years, causing his legs and arms to fall off through atrophy. Also, the figurines cannot blink, as other legends state that after he fell asleep during his nine-year meditation, he grew very angry and so cut off his own eyelids so that he may never sleep again. Now, when you do buy these figurines, their eyes are blank, but... Like you just said, Heather, you know the reasons why, so enlighten me. So from from my knowledge is that you have the Dharma and you have like a wish or something you want to happen. Mm. Or like, I think even there's different ones that symbolize different things about like health and money and love. So you color in one of the eyes when you have something that you want to happen. And then when that thing happens, you color in the other eye. That's exactly what my notes say. So you saved me the trouble. Well, I hope whatever your wish or goal is comes true. Yeah, the thing is with, with Dodama, I'm not sure like if you tell people what your wish is or if you wait till both eyes or you don't say anything at all. Oh, so if you mention it before it's finished, it'll jinx it. But if you mention it after it's done, it could still 
jinx it. You have to check with the professor. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, yep, I should do that. Okay. So the one final thing to say about this Pokemon, well, the f- the first one, Darumaka. Um, it says that when it sleeps during the night, it pulls its limbs into its body, which again is reminiscence of Body Dharma losing his limbs. And its evolution, Dar- Darmanitan, has a Zen mode, which it can turn into during battle, which just looks just like the Daruma doll. And that is the third image that you said looked like the blue Daruma doll. So it can turn into that during battle. It's Zen mode, which is kind of cool. Second to last one. I really like this one. I always thought it was a super cute Pokemon. I caught many of them in Pokemon Go. <laughs> I must have one. I have to go back and look. I got to check out my Pokédex. It's been too long. So this one, I have, I have, I have a couple of thoughts. The first one is kind of because it, it's a little like black creature with little blue eyes, and it looks like it's wearing a straw hat. If I did, if it didn't have the straw hat, I would almost be reminded of the the forest spirits from um, Princess Mononoke. I don't know why I'm getting that forest spirit vibe from that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, without without its hat, I can kind of see that. Mm. Yeah, kind of. Not exactly, but that kind of feeling. So that that's my description. So this one is known as Snow Runt. And it's actually a pre-evolution of Frostlass, who we talked about with the f- before. Ah. But this Pokemon is not based off the Yuki Ona like she was. This Pokemon is based off the Yuki Warashi or snow babies, as well as another type of yokai known as the Zashiki Warashi. Entries for this Pokemon says that old folklore claims that a house visited by this Pokemon is sure to prosper for many generations to come. And that is its link to the Zashiki Warashi. They were a kind of child spirit who, when they lived in your house, it would bring you great luck and great fortune. But should you do something to cause them to leave and move on to another house, then your fortunes would swiftly end and could even lead to your death. Now, for the Yukiwarashi, the snow babies, when they are depicted, they're often portrayed as red-cheeked children clad in traditional straw-peaked snow jackets. The jackets would have had a hood that comes up to a point so that snow didn't accumulate on them, much like Snorrent's mm-hmm. depiction. The hood ties under the chin, and there are armholes that gave freedom of movement for the children. And we do have a story about some of these snow children from Niigata Prefecture. It says that long ago, there was an old childless couple, which now that I think about it, is how most folktales actually start. <laughs> Very beneath, yes. They were very lonely and wished desperately for a child. One snowy day, in order to distract themselves from their desolation, they went out into the newly fallen snow and sculpted a snow child. Pleased with their creation, they went back inside. That night there was a fierce blizzard, and there was a knock at their door, and when they answered, the couple were shocked to see a bright young child leap into their home. They were too overjoyed to question their good fortune and welcomed the child into their hearts. They loved their snow baby and vows to raise it with affection. The new family passed a wonderful winter together, but as spring neared, the couple noticed that their child got slimmer and slimmer. They were terribly worried and woke up one morning to find their child completely gone. Their hearts were broken, but there was nothing they could do. Time passed and soon it was winter again. On yet another stormy snowy night, there was a knock at the door and the couple's happy snow baby came bounding home again fat and happy and red-cheeked. 
The couple realized that it was the spirit of the child they had sculpted from the snow, and that it could only stay with them through the winter. The pattern repeated itself for many years, until one day the snow baby came no more. They never saw their child again, but the couple was content with what happiness the Kami allotted them, and forever cherished the sweet memories that they had had with their snow baby. Aww. That's kind of cute folktale. It is. It's, it's so sad and sweet and beautiful. But we have one more. One more. This one looks super cool. <laughs> it does look super cool, but now I have to describe it. What do its arms look like? Let's go with that. Okay. Interestingly enough, um, was it yesterday I was talking with my family and my youngest sibling had some kind of grabber thing that you pushed a button and it looked like those little tongs came out and it had a light on the end of it so you could pick up things in dark places so that's the first thing i'm thinking about is reminding me of the thing my my youngest sibling had okay and he kept playing with it on the on the video chat and i kind of wanted it so not related i don't think many people are gonna know what that is if my youngest sibling listens they'll know it's like a stick blender like an immersion blender <laughs> immersion blender hands with a Needle for a hat, really cool looking cloak with, oh, we've got a, a pattern underneath. I don't know that specific pattern, that, that Mon design, but it's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Okay, I feel like you're struggling with this one. It was quite the challenge. So I was, I was hoping you were going to say his arms look like bamboo. They totally do not. <laughs> I was thinking of grabbers and immersion blenders. I think this one is kind of metal to me, like kind of like a, like a mecha kind of but oh my gosh it's bamboo but i'm gonna leave this one in a bit of a cliffhanger because this is again based off something and I've, I've decided to shuffle our episodes around and what this is based off i'm gonna do next week now in addition Ooh. to our vampire cat bonus which we're also apparently gonna do this pokemon is called celestella and she is based off the character of kaguyohime from the folktale the bamboo cutter's daughter oh yes that's super cool Mm, I love the design for that one. She has like her, her dress. She's got strange crystals. She's got the bamboo arms. She looks kind of space agey as well, which is kind of cool and relates to the folktale to some degree. But I just wanted to introduce it and leave us on that because I do now want to tell that folktale in full for next week. I know we've just done the tongue cut sparrow, but it's too good an opportunity to pass up with how it relates to this final Pokemon. So I hope you can wait until next week for Vampire Cat as well as this folktale. But that's all I want to do for today. I, I feel that we haven't covered many Pokemon, well, in the grand scheme of things, but I feel that we've, we've, we've talked a lot today. I need to stop talking now. I need you to read me a poem so I can just rest my mouth take a take That's a break strange but yeah i need to rest my mouth but yeah so i've shuffled the episodes around tomorrow we will do the bamboo cutter's daughter before we then delve into something new which will get pushed back a week it's something i'm rather excited to start doing it's kind of a bit of japanese history that we haven't looked much into it involves some samurai it involves ah. naga and it's set around the time of the jesuit missionaries in japan so i'm super excited to do that one and i'm hoping you remember what it is heather your faith i tells you do, do. Okay. yes it's gonna be oh, so oh it went 
oh, so the next two weeks. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, I'm excited. I'm, I'm usually excited, but now I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so that is everything I have for today from my section. I'm going to stop talking now, so I'm going to hand it over to you, Heather. I have a themed poem. Well, it's not really a poem so much. It's more of a um, parting message, which could be uh, perhaps poetic in nature. And continue on the theme of yokai. And funny enough, you you mentioned this very first is uh, Kitsune. We're, I'm going to do a poem about or a, a poetic reading from Kitsune. So I'm going to give you a very short story because we could use this in the Kitsune episode and you might we might come back to it again. So I'll give a little condensed version. And if we do come back to it, we can elaborate. So this this background is a nobleman named Abe no Yasuna goes out into the woods on his way to visit a shrine and finds a hunter trying to kill a white fox. He sets the fox free and continues on his way. And later, surprisingly, he encounters a beautiful woman and eventually they fall in love and marry. They have a son named Dojimaru, but his name's going to change later to be Abe no Sem Seme later in life. However, one day while out gathering flowers, the young son sees a white tail. It turns out his mother was the white fox rescued by the nobleman. She has to leave and return to the woods, so she leaves behind these parting words. Kaishikuba, tazune kite miyo. Izumi naru. Shinoda no mori no. Urami kuzunoha. Now, I didn't mention the woman's name. Her name was Kuzunoha. Kuzunoha is, or if Interestingly enough, I was talking to a dear friend last week, and kuzu is, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Thomas, or not, but there is a green vine that grows a lot in the south called kudzu. Kuzu is the Japanese word for that kudzu. So if you are familiar with kudzu, if you know what that is, in Japan is kuzu. So kuzu no ha basically means like kudzu flower. I that I am... Um... Maybe it's just maybe it's just something I came across once in passing, mm. but I've heard of it. Yeah, I knew it was a plant, but I didn't really know much else about it. We're gonna come to that later. So I this week get a little a little um full disclosure. I asked the professor to help me to find something this week. So not only was the professor kind enough to help me, he also gave me a translation. So this is a translation that came from the professor along with me doing a little bit of tiny bit of cleaning up. And also a little bit of, I included the, the kanji, I mean the kanji, the, the actual Japanese for this, um, these parting words. So this is what she leaves behind to give to her family because the common theme from these like ghost stories and we've heard this over and over again, is like if the true nature is revealed, the yokai has to leave and return back to their previous place. They cannot mm. stay once they've been revealed. So she doesn't want to leave, but she has no choice. I've got a couple of different interpretations. This is the translation from the professor. Okay. If you missed me, try visiting me to the forest of Shinoda and Izumi. Look to the place with the kudzu leaves. But there's a word called urami, which I've, I was not familiar with before. And Urami could have a couple of translations. When we go to look at the actual Japanese, it's in hiragana. It's not okay. in kanji. And hiragana, you can have lots of different meanings for that, for that word. So if we don't have the kanji, we could go several ways. So 
the last line could be like to since it references her name that it could be going to look like where like a description of the place to go and find her but mm. urami also can mean resentment okay so for the last line you could also say something about like you may resent me or but the the feeling is that is like she is reluctant to go and she understands if you were upset with her or angry at her or resent her for having to leave, but you can still find her. Mm. So it's, it's almost got like a couple of different meanings, which is a lot. We've discovered a lot in Japanese poem will have a couple of different meanings. So it could go either way. He wanted me to emphasize that because we didn't have the kanji. It could be a couple of a couple, maybe even more different things. It's, it's definitely, he said that could be a double meaning in that sentence. Uh, so because they left it not as kanji, you can, they kind of allow you to interpret it how you want it to be in a way. It could be, or however her, her son needed to interpret it. Since she oh. was leaving him, she mm. had to leave him behind. So it was, you know, f for for her family. But she did not want to leave. She wanted to stay. So it's definitely, it's kind of like painful parting words. It's kind of sad, mm. but sweet at the same time. But in a lot of these stories, like even today, you said once you see the yokai in their form, they have to leave. Mm. We usually don't get like parting words or like any kind of information. They just they just kind of go and disappear. So she, Kuzunoha, left kind of instructions on where to find her. So this is kind of unique in that, you know, she because she was so reluctant to leave and she didn't want to, she's like, here, you can still come and see me and find me. So I haven't, it, it's like she, she wants them to have that connection still with her, even though she can't live with them anymore. She still wants to see and be with her family, even though she had to flee. Um, but she but gives them the choice. More, yeah, it's their choice, but also she's, yeah, she's leaving it in their hands to, if you want to continue now that you know who I truly am, then it's your choice. But if not, in a way, I completely understand, mm. which I guess is why it can be quite a sad. It's not really a poem, is it? It's more of a letter. And oh, that's very nice and sweet. Yeah, that's my contribution for today well thank you i like that one i think that's the first time we've ever done like a quote from a story yeah mm. i think that is the first time oh something new today as something well new well thank you very much for that i appreciate it you are very welcome and thank you for all of the history about all these different uh pocket monsters as they're called in japan mm -hmm. they're not called pokemon here it's called pocketo monster <laughs> So thank you. Now when I go play again, either on the my my Switch or on Pokemon Go, mm -hmm. go look at them a little differently now. Yeah, but thank you everyone for tuning in today. And I, I don't know, I feel like today was a little bit different in how we did it. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're looking forward to next week with the bonus and the fairy tale we're gonna do. Um, you can find the show notes up on our website historyofjapan.co.uk follow us on facebook and twitter at japan archives that's everything for me this week unless you have anything else to add heather i'm good all right then everyone we will speak to you next week then matane <laughs>